0: I'm Brandon Briscoe, and welcome to another episode of The Postscript, Living Faith Bible Institute's weekly podcast and YouTube series devoted to interviewing pastors and professors from across the Living Faith Bible Institute and the Living Faith Fellowship. Each week we come together uh, addressing a different topic, whether it be ministry leadership or maybe it's church history or theology. And all of these conversations are intended to edify and strengthen you, the listener. And we're so thankful that you join us every single week. We want to remind you that you can share these with your friends, uh, that you can subscribe, that you can follow us, like them, share them, do whatever you need to do uh, to make sure that God's word is getting in the ears of the people that need to hear it. But we are very grateful for you. Now, this week uh, I have a very special guest. We're going to be talking about the issue of the chronology surrounding the end times. Uh, And this is often referred to as eschatology. In other words, what does the Bible say about how the end of the world will unfold? And the Bible has a lot to say about this. Uh, In fact, the entirety of Scripture, not just Revelation, uh, addresses this issue from time to time. It pops up in patterns and and all of it sinks together Perfectly, and, uh, and we want to make sure that we look at the Word of God the right way. Now, this is a very controversial topic from, from time to time. Uh, people have lots of differing views on this, and uh, we want to make sure that we're taking the position that Scripture takes. And so we're going to have a conversation today with Pastor Greg Axe of Crest Bible Church. Uh, He's also the professor of eschatology here at Living Faith Bible Institute. He teaches a class called Daniel and Revelation that takes those patterns in Scripture and brings them together to have a cohesive view of the end times. But he also is an author of this book called Revelation Made Simple that just came out over the last month or so. And uh, and so he is, uh, he's devoted a lot of his life to studying this. And we want to invite you to listen to our conversations t- today. And if it interests you, of course, uh, check out that book, which is available at livingfaithfellowship.com. So, Pastor Greg Axe, welcome Professor to the show.
1: Professor of eschatology. Boy, that sounds high, doesn't
0: it? It's, you know what, but it's true, isn't it? Well, I mean, well,
1: I teach the Bible, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: and and you teach uh, a, an eschatological perspective. That all of us benefit from and, right. and we really are thankful that you do that, and we're thankful that you're here with us today. So why so much confusion around the end times in this issue of, of how the, the end things, the prophecies surrounding the end things will unfold. Why is there so much contention about this subject? Probably
1: the biggest reason actually goes back to the Garden of Eden. when
0: We always go back there, don't yeah, we? Absolutely. Go back to the when, beginning. <laughs> when
1: Adam and Eve were tempted with the knowledge of, of good and evil, it was you shall be as gods mm-hmm. knowing good and evil. And this is a subject, obviously, that deals with the return of the Lord to this earth. A lot of people are interested in those kind of future type uh, events and prophetic things. And the temptation to dive into the depths of that, it's that inbred. I know more than you do mentality.
0: It's a tantalizing subject matter, and people want to go deep, and they want to be an expert. Yeah. yeah. And
1: so I've found something in the Bible that nobody else has, therefore I'm smarter than you are, therefore you should all listen to me and some of your money. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that temptation has been inbred from us from the garden, and of course it finds its home in a lot of different things in the Bible, but when you get to the book of Revelation, it just goes quantum leap above everything. Yeah. that's, That's why that book
0: is so difficult and simple at the same time so why is it important to have a a a hermeneutic that's that's accurate that's scientific in nature because people approach god's word many different ways divide it many different ways see it many different ways Why is our hermeneutic unique in in its ability to make sense of what's happening?
1: Well, because we deal with, and this gets a little deeper than just the actual book of Revelation, but it deals with a systematic approach to to coming to the Bible in the way that God designed it and laid it out. There are rules within the Bible itself that dictate how to approach it, that if you don't obey those rules, you're going to get outside. Just like in any venture of life, there are certain rules. I call them rules, but principles to mm-hmm. operate by, that if you don't operate by those principles, you're outside the white lines, yeah. and you're going to end up in a mess. <clears throat> and it's even more so with the Bible itself because of how God is destructured on the inside. And when you get to the book of Revelation specifically, um, there is a template given to us in the book of Revelation unlike any other of the 66 books of the Bible. Mm. And the, the, the problem with the book of Revelation is the people who do not understand that template that's the simple part of the book of Revelation. Mm-hmm. And if you get the simple part of the book of Revelation down, then the complexity of it becomes easier to handle because you know where not to go. Okay. And you know, that's one of the basic things about the Bible and specifically the book of Revelation that is important for us to understand. Where do I not want to go? so that mm-hmm. I make sure I stay within the white lines.
0: Can you give us an example of the of the structure that we find in Revelation and how someone, maybe on one specific matter, can get outside of the white lines if they don't see that structure the, the right way? Maybe you can give us one example of how that might work.
1: very first chapter of the book of Revelation lays down a structure, an outline, and a template, unlike any book of the Bible. Write the things which thou hast seen. The things which are, the things which shall be hereafter. It's divided into three sections from the perspective of the second coming of Jesus Christ. So there's your divisions that are given to you right there in the book. This applies here. This applies this. Mm -hmm. This applies this way. And, you know, the middle part, for, for example, is the tribulation chapters 4 through 19. People... Start going in there and not realizing that applies to a specific time period in history that is yet future, and they want to go in there and find things that apply now and mm-hmm. try to put them onto people at this particular point in time, rather than realize that that deals with a specific point in time. Mm-hmm. So, to, to you know, there's lots of different things people trying to identify the Antichrist, mm-hmm. people worried about the mark of the beast. Um, people going in to try to set the date of the rapture, mm-hmm.
0: or, or how people see the 144,000. Yes, yeah.
1: applying 144,000 to themselves, going and finding verses within that context that uh, imply uh, a loss of salvation. Mm-hmm. Those kind of things that are found in that particular section that God told us at the very very beginning: don't get outside these white lines. Yeah, this part. This part applies to that particular specific point in history and those particular people, not to the church. And it's just kind of one example that
0: mm. could get, out, get yeah. us outside yeah, the Yeah, right that's lines. good. And I'm sure the book goes in depth on that, mm-hmm. and so does the class. But but just, you know, in terms of our topic today, we want to address the issue of the chronology of the end times. Mm-hmm. Uh, because a lot of, I think, when, once people have the narrative, then, then they have uh, the freedom to understand you know, all the nuances, right? Mm-hmm. The details can fall into place. Yes. And so when we're talking about the chronology, um, maybe you can walk us through each major event, beginning with the rapture of the church, mm-hmm. um, and and tell us a little bit about those. So, so maybe start with the rapture. Uh, who, what, why, when?
1: <clears throat> there is a church age, mm-hmm. an age in which... Um, the church is the focus, and people are saved by grace through faith and finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. That age will come to an end. At some point in time, God will draw a line in the sand and pull that group of people off the earth, which is what we call the rapture of the church. Here's one of the confusions that people get into with that is that the word rapture is not found in the Bible. Mm-hmm. So therefore, some people have leapt to the um conclusion that we are making something up that's not taught in the Bible. Right. Um, okay, fine. The word rapture is not in the Bible, but the word harvest is, and that's the concept that God gives us in the Word mm-hmm. of God, that he's harvesting the earth, and that's done in three phases. Mm-hmm. So the rapture of the church is about to happen. At some point in time, fairly soon. And I know we've been talking about that for 30, 40 years, (laughs) uh, maybe even more so. In 2000, Um, maybe even. (laughs) At at least. Uh, And we keep saying any day now. Mm -hmm. And, uh, of course, every time we say it, we get closer to any day now, don't we? That's right, yeah. So it is any day now. Mm -hmm. Uh, Maybe within, it might not be to my grandchildren's years are over with. But uh, it's coming very very soon. Obviously, a lot closer than it was when Paul wrote about it two thousand mm-hmm. years ago. Uh, so that's the next. So who participates item. in that event? So that's that just, those are people who are who have placed their faith in Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. They're okay. sealed with the day of redemption. Okay. We call it the church. We're not talking about institutions. We're talking about the individual, personal, born again mm-hmm. believers in Christ. Okay, as good. a body of believers around the world. Okay, um, and that is the next event on God's prophetic yeah. calendar. Mm-hmm. Um, there's no signs for it. Mm-hmm. There are no. We don't know the date of it, Mm -hmm. even though I believe it's in the Bible. But we don't know when it's coming, but it's going to come at some point in time. After that, there's a seven-year period of time called the tribulation period, Mm -hmm. and it is a full seven-year period of time called Daniel's 70th week. There's a division in that time. The first half of of three and a half years is a peaceful time in which there's very little in the Bible spoken of. Uh, But it is referenced and alluded to, and it's very important to understand. Mm -hmm. Then there's a series of events in the middle of it that flips the script. Then you have what is called the Great Tribulation. Jesus used that term himself in Matthew chapter 24. Mm -hmm. And that's the last three and a half years of the hell on earth, 42 months, 1260 days that the Bible speaks of. After that, you have a literal, physical, visible return of Jesus Christ to this earth to establish a kingdom. Yeah, we refer to that as the second advent. Second advent, which is a technical term. When you when we talk about the second coming of Christ, we're talking about the rapture, the tribulation and the second advent, which is a window of 7 years period mm-hmm. of time. The second advent is specific to the actual advent means appearing. The specific literal visible return of Jesus Christ to this earth. As the king to establish his kingdom in Jerusalem, and he'll dominate the world during that time. Then we have a thousand year period of time called the millennial reign of Christ, mm-hmm. followed by a final rebellion, and then we go off to eternity. Yeah. So that's the basic template of history.
0: And so we're we're going to kind of break down in different ways each of those, you know, those events okay. and those periods, if we can, if we if we if we can get to it, yeah. um, just briefly. The millennial reign specifically is for who? For the Jewish people, um, a,
1: pro- a kingdom was promised to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Your seed will inherit this land mm-hmm. and that you will be the head of the nations. And that is clear through the Old Testament. It's the dominant theme of the Old Testament, a king reigning with the nation of Israel as the supreme world power, if you want to call it that, the the nation on earth that dominates everything. That was promised to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. If we do not have a Jewish king on a throne dominating the entire world, during, then that promise can't be fulfilled. Mm -hmm. So specifically it is for them. Obviously, born-again believers will be here as well, um, reigning with him. Um, And then there will be Gentiles on this earth who will be subject to the nation of Israel during that time. Mm -hmm. And there will be the nations around the world that will adopt the law of the nation of Israel and become Jewish, for lack of a better term. Right.
0: So we're going to do an episode here in the near future that just, it's just devoted to understanding the millennial reign and okay. the different perspectives. So we're right. going to come back to that. But but in the meantime, I think it's really important for us to maybe start at the beginning that, you know, mm-hmm. there's a lot of controversy surrounding the rapture, as you mentioned right. before. Um, could you please maybe just explain scripturally why we should believe in in the rapture event, and why is it not the same thing as the second advent? Okay.
1: Again, back to the concept of the rapture Mm -hmm. and that term not being in the Bible, there is a segment of Christianity that denies rapture at all. Mm -hmm. Um, A lot of it is built upon the fact that that word's not in the Bible, and I grant them that. Uh, But the concept of harvest is. Mm -hmm. Um, Those who would deny any rapture whatsoever will have a very difficult time explaining a couple of passages of Scripture. Okay, First 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 that says that um, those who are alive and remain shall be caught up together to meet the Lord in the air. Now, if you don't believe that there's a rapture, explain that passage to Mm me. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. um, In the moment, in the twinkling of an eye, the dead in Christ shall be raised incorruptible. Explain that passage to me. If there is no point at time in history at which God draws a line in the sand and removes a group of people from this earth who are alive at the time it happens. Mm -hmm. Jesus referred to it himself in John chapter 11. There's a group of people who will be dead yet will live and another group of people who are alive and will never die. Mm Mm-hmm. And that is all those passages refer to what we call the rapture of the church. And, um, and those who teach that there is no rapture whatsoever. They don't know what to do with those passages. Yeah, what do you do with it? I guess yeah. we got to write those out of the Bible because how do you explain those? Mm-hmm. That's a small segment of wrong teaching on that. The larger section of it deals with, and you've used the terminology a couple of times, explain to us the rapture
0: Mm -hmm.
1: as if there's only one. Mm. And the dominant problem that we have in prophetic teaching today, and you'll hear it on the radio and television all the time, you listen to Christian radio and you'll hear guys over and over and over talk about when the rapture is supposed to take place. Right. And that they will split the difference between pre-rap pre-tribulation yeah. mid-tribulation post-tribulation taking passages of scripture that obviously deal with it in two different time frames and they can't figure out what it is and they lump it all together into one event right if the word harvest is the bible term which it is the harvest always takes place in three phases <clears throat> okay. and anyone who's ever planted a garden understands this Right that you get the first fruits, the very beginning of the of the harvest season, you'll get a few little fruit of the thing, and then a couple of weeks later, you've got bushel baskets full of it called the main harvest, and then toward the end of the season, you'll get one or two more called the gleanings. Mm-hmm. And those terms are used throughout the Bible significantly all through the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. They are also linked with prophetic passages that deal with the end times. <laughs> the first fruits rapture took place <clears throat> at the resurrection of Jesus Christ, mm. when he harvested from the earth the fruit of his Old Testament work yeah. through yeah. the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Then we have an age called the church at which he's going to pull the main harvest out, called the body of Christ, just prior to the tribulation period. Mm-hmm. Then there's a gleanings portion, which is pulling out or harvesting the fruit of the work of the tribulation at the end of that time. That applies to the tribulation and the Jewish remnant during that time. Okay. Then he returns. No
0: more need for any harvest at that time because he's here. Yeah, right. So with that in mind, I mean, that, that's that's a really awesome way of explaining that. Because mm-hmm. you're right. I think a lot of times we say the rapture, and what we're doing is we're centralizing our part it's egocentric it's very egocentric We think that we right. are the only people on earth right right right
1: okay that jesus loves us the most exactly yeah yeah because we are his people now
0: wait a minute Right, That's not the case. But I love how you you use the the, the word of God to explain that better, and uh, with the the first fruits being you know Christ and captivity led you, mm-hmm. you know captive and and set free uh, from from Abraham's bosom, and and then you have the church, which is the rapture that we anticipate exactly. Right, and, and then you have another, rapture. and then the 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 the, the other rapture, uh, <clears throat> which you describe uh, as being the 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 gleanings from really from the tribulation saints. Yes. yes. Um. Now. The tribulation is, again, it's this controversial thing. How do we know that the rapture of the church, that, as you would say, that second or that main Mm -hmm. harvest, sits at the front of the tribulation versus the middle or the end? Can you explain scripturally why we can be confident in a pre-trib position? Well,
1: let me me use a a personal example that I use in my book and I use in my class as well to illustrate this is just something that uh, we've we've always remembered from years and years and years ago in our own personal family mm-hmm. um, to illustrate the fact that there's two of these yet to happen. Right. Okay. Um, <clears throat> way back in the day, I come from a large family. My older brother was eight years old. I was six years old, and he wanted a bike for Christmas. Mm-hmm. Drove my. My parent's crazy with it. You will get a bike or else I will report you for abuse. <laughs> it was that bad, okay? Um, so they're going to get him a bike for Christmas. Well, we get out there the, the big day and we run on uh, run out underneath the tree. And my brother was so excited there was two bikes underneath the tree. And he was so excited he went, wow, I got two bikes. That illustrates exactly the problem of all the prophecy teachers who look at the Bible and they see... There's a rapture. Here's a rapture. There's two bikes there. They must both be for me. Right. Excuse me, Mark. You have a little brother. Yeah. He gets a bike also. (laughs) Okay. On top of that, there was actually a third bike under the tree it was a tricycle for our little sister. Mm. Okay? So there's three bikes under that tree. There are three raptures. The first one has already taken place and everybody ignores it because it took place two thousand years ago. Mm-hmm. The second one is yet to take place prior to the day of wrath. God has not appointed us to wrath the church. That's mm-hmm. a passage of scripture. Uh, from First Thessalonians and chapter it's principled 5. everywhere Enoch is the picture of the rapture of the church in the Old Testament taken out before the judgment. Mm-hmm. It's just um, this is the bride of Christ. He's going to take his bride out before the day of wrath takes mm-hmm. place on earth called the tribulation period. Mm-hmm. Uh, So that's the main harvest, and that's the one that everybody looks at, and when they take the passages of Scripture that clearly tell us that there is another gathering Mm -hmm. that happens before, or right before the second coming at the end of the tribulation, and here's one over here, they go, wow, I get both bikes. No, 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 excuse me. We get this one, our little brothers called the Jewish remnant get the other one over there.
0: And what you mean, actually, is isn't that necessarily that they see these two events as, well, we get both of these. What they do is they smush them together yes. into a singular event. And, um, and so that's very common, is this idea that, mm-hmm. that somehow the dispensationalists um, have, have confused that these, these are two events when uh, they want to make the, the, the rapture of the church to meet Christ in the air— Mm-hmm. And then the coming of Christ to the earth before the millennial reign, they want to combine these things into one. And Exactly. And so we, the
1: next time, and I tell people this all the time, the next time somebody um, tries to tell you, well, the rapture is going to happen at such and such or this time, or it's going to be mid or post or pre, uh, ask them which one. Which rapture are you referring to? And they will do this thing like your dog, when you say something to your dog and Mm -hmm. he cocks his head to one side like he doesn't understand, they'll do the same thing. They'll give you that deer in the headlights going, Mm -hmm. what do you mean, which one? Mm -hmm. There's only one. No, there's two yet. There's three total. There's two yet to take place, and that's God harvesting his earth. And when you look at it from that perspective, that makes everything so much simpler Mm -hmm that you stay within the white lines of the perspective God has given to us in that book so that you can go, okay, God harvested his Old Testament saints at the resurrection of Christ. He will harvest his church before the tribulation. He will harvest his remnant at the end of the tribulation. Mm-hmm. And when you, it's like, right. oh. yeah.
0: And it makes sense of the the whole fog.
1: And anybody who comes along and says, well, here's a passage that says immediately after the tribulation of those days, God will gather his elect, Matthew chapter 24. And they go, see, the rapture has to happen at the end of the tribulation because he gathers his elect at the end of the tribulation. You have a little brother who's elect also. Right. That's called
0: the Jewish remnant. That happens at the end of the tribulation. Right. But ours does not. So back to this idea of the position or the placement of the rapture. You know, mm-hmm. some would would agree that there are two distinct uh, raptures that take mm-hmm. place ahead of us that, right. that are yet to have take to take place, one for the church and then one for those who come to believe during the tribulation. Mm-hmm. Um, but th- the placement of those is is interesting too because there are some people that hold to a, a mid-trib position, mm-hmm. and um, I think that there's part of the conversation is this wrath conversation, maybe yes. a little bit. But explain to us why a mid-trib position would be inadequate to explain the chronology.
1: Okay, to go back again, if you look at the book of Revelation and keep it simple, the word church appears in the first three chapters 19 times. Mm -hmm. At the end of chapter 3, the last word is church. In chapter 4, verse 1, John is immediately in the Spirit with the words, come up hither, which appear three times in the Bible and only three times. Mm -hmm. Once in the Old Testament, there's your Old Testament, once in Revelation four verse one, there's your church. Once in Revelation eleven verse twelve, there's your post tribulation mm-hmm. yeah. cleaning. Okay, immediately John is in the spirit in Revelation chapter four. The word church disappears from the text. It's not found anywhere at all from chapter four until chapter twenty two. Mm. That tells you clearly that during that time the church is gone. It's mm-hmm. not here. Mm-hmm. It, the word does not appear. If the if it. If the church was here, God would mention it. Why does he mention it 19 times in three chapters and then not at all mm-hmm. until until 22 when we're back? Right. It's because the church is gone during that particular time. Mm-hmm. So there's your another evidence of your pre-tribulation rapture. Now, what happens is some people have, again, this mid-tribulation comes from people looking at both passages, not able to make a, a call on it splitting the difference and saying, well, I I see some that are post, I see some post-trib rapture, I see some passages that are pre-trib rapture, I don't know where to do it, so let's just put it in the middle someplace. Mm-hmm. And again, they're focused on the singular rapture rather than, oh, wait a minute, there's two groups at two mm-hmm. times. So they conflate them together, put them in the middle, <clears throat> and then we came along, here, here's where the twist comes in. We have come back uh, from our perspective and have said, no, 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 no. God has not appointed us to wrath but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, which Mm -hmm. is the chapter that just follows immediately after the discussion of the rapture in chapter 4. So we've we've countered it that way. No, God's not appointed us to wrath. And they go, "Uh, okay, well, let's do this. The last half of the tribulation is God's wrath, but the first half is not. Mm-hmm. So, therefore, we're taking out pre wrath.
0: Yeah, the great, really, the great wrath or yes, the great tribulation. Which is right?
1: really mid tribulation with a twist, mm-hmm. and the twist is lemon. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> <clears throat> Here's the point to make with that the entire Daniel 70th week is the time of God's wrath. Mm-hmm. The first part of it is God withdrawing from mankind and allowing him to have what he wants. You have children. Some people have children, right? Mm -hmm. There reaches a point in time sometimes when your children will pester you and bug you about something. You'll say no to them about 12 times. And about the 13th or 14th time, you will say to them, okay, go ahead. Mm -hmm. And when you get to that point, are you ticked off? Generally. Okay. Are you just as mad? As if you had brought out the belt and disciplined them. No, it's not the same. It's not the same, but you're mad. Yeah, you're okay. wanting them to learn. Yes. Yeah. Now, when you get to that point, you're you're angry with your your, and that's where God is in the first half of the tribulation period. Mm-hmm. He withdraws from mankind. My spirit shall not always strive with man. Mm-hmm. There reaches a point in time at which mankind has gotten to the point where he has thumbed his nose in God's face long enough that God says, this is what you've wanted. Adam hid in the garden, and man has been running from God ever since and wants God to butt out and leave him alone. And right. finally, after 6,000 years, God says, go ahead, knock yourself out. He is ticked off. Mm-hmm. And that is the time of God's wrath when he manifests it by letting mankind have what he wants.
0: Mm. Hey, thank you so much for listening to the show. We're gonna pause right here for just a second so we can hear from one of our students from the Living Faith Bible Institute.
1: Hi, my name is Uriah Ginther and I graduated from LFBI, uh, Living Faith Bible Institute. I'm I'm looking back on and using and pulling up old notes. Um, It really just challenges you to see the Bible in a deeper way and to grow closer to the Lord. And in his book, the only thing that that he he needs to do his his will in, in the world is
0: the thing he hands you and hands you the book and says get to it and an LFBI is just something that I, I value and uh, would encourage you to just do the same. It is it has changed my life and how I go about ministry. If that interests you at all, please visit LFBI.org and consider enrolling in classes. All right, so one of the things that we run into a lot when we're addressing this topic mm-hmm. is that there are always uh, manifestations of people's perspectives, right? So what you mm-hmm. believe about this subject matter in terms of, you know, when is Christ coming? Mm-hmm. What is the tribulation? Especially for those who maybe are, are expecting to experience the tribulation. Mm-hmm. Um, and all of these different perspectives, these biblical perspectives, or mm-hmm. lack thereof, right. Uh Manifest in different ways, and so we've got we've got people who um, you know like to to predict when Christ might return. Right, uh, that would be one of the manifestations. Another one would be you know that's really popular right now because the world is so crazy. Mm-hmm. Uh, people are inclined to prepare as though they're ready to go through the tribulation. They're yes. stockpiling guns and food and bunkers, mm-hmm. and this is a real thing. Oh yeah, like this is. I'm not just making this up. Oh yeah, uh, so that's that's happening. Uh, and then there's even people who kind of hint at that. They're like, closet preppers, mm-hmm. um, you know. So, with each of these types of people, maybe you can walk us through these different perspectives and, and share with us uh, how to temper those ideas based on what the Bible really says, mm-hmm. and, and give us some reassurance based on you know, I, Paul takes that reassurance thing pretty seriously. He does. as it concerns the, the the rapture. Yeah. So maybe w- walk us through that a bit. Well, let's talk first of all about
1: setting the date. Some of the okay. date setters that, are, that we have out there, and this has been a a common thing for a number of years, where um, basically ever since Israel became a nation in 1948, and the understanding that oh, we're heading into the end times because that was one of the indications mm-hmm. of this happening, and then we get closer to the year 2000, and a lot of books written, and you know, back in the day there was 88 reasons why the Lord was coming in 88. I guess that means there's no reasons he's coming in zero, right? In 2000 or whatever, right, I right. don't know. <clears throat> but a lot of that kind of stuff, trying to find out exactly when the Lord Jesus Christ is coming back, when the rapture is going to take place, and a bunch of people making a lot of money off of that, um, and um, scaring a lot of people as a result as well, or trying again mm-hmm. back to that. I know something you don't know. I've I've yeah, discovered the date of the rapture thing, in the Bible. Thing, yeah. That is just incessant mm-hmm. in people's lives, and so you've got all of these things like the the um, uh, eclipse that took place a few years ago, sure. the blood moon things. Yeah, yeah. place, all a of these people of stars, looking lining yeah. up of stars and stuff like that. And I had a guy actually in my church uh, uh, one time is he was convinced that it was some September twenty third date, I believe, mm-hmm. a couple of years ago, in which this was going to. I mean, has to be the rapture of the church because right. this, 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 all these things fulfilling. So I just know the rapture is going to happen on September 23rd. I looked him right in the eye and said, I'll bet you $1,000 we'll steer We are still here on the 24th. Mm-hmm. And he said, well, first of all, if I'm right, you owe me $1,000. First, Secondly, if I'm wrong.
0: Right. <laughs> works I'll owe out. it to you in heaven yeah, forever. Right. It okay. works out either way. It works out for me either yeah. way.
1: Uh, we're still here, by the way. Yeah. Um, the point being is that God knows us.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Now, I believe that the date of the rapture is in the Bible.
0: Yeah, you said that twice. What makes you believe that?
1: It's The information is there. It's coded. It's coded. It's in there. there. Okay. And when it happens, we will all slap our foreheads on the way up going, mm-hmm. oh, why didn't I see that? Mm-hmm. But it may or may not be, I believe it is. And... But God will not reveal that to us because he knows human nature. Yeah. If you knew for a fact that Jesus was coming back, say this June, it's April now, would you pay your mortgage for the next couple of months? (laughs) Yeah, I
0: probably would have reasons not to do that.
1: Okay. People say, well, yeah, I would. Why? They're not going to foreclose on you that soon. Right. Okay. okay. See, that's, well, I would live more, if I knew Jesus was coming back, and I would live my life a little better. And why don't you do that now? Yeah. If the knowledge of his return
0: would change anything in your life,
1: you're not living right. Right. The motivation
0: is that Christ died for you 2,000 years and rose again. That should be enough motivation. Absolutely. He
1: said, occupy till I come. He didn't Mm -hmm. say, sit around and figure out when I'm coming. Right. Okay. And here's another kicker on that. He himself said that he chose not to know the date of his own coming.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: The God, my Father, knows that. The angels in heaven, neither the Son knows that. And without getting into a long thing about that particular verse, He just specifically chose to put out of His mind the date of His return. And so now somebody's going to come along and figure it out. Right. You're smarter than Jesus, <laughs> really? Mm-hmm. Okay, and so that date setting, all that does is, is um, every time we do another date set set and it doesn't happen, the lost world sits there and goes, you people are idiots. Yeah. And rightfully so. Right. Because people are not one to the rapture, they are one to the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus yeah. Christ on yeah. the cross of Calvary. And that's what we need to be focused on is the mission of God for the gospel. Mm-hmm. And this is important stuff. Mm-hmm. However. Right. Setting the date just all, no. all it does
0: it it confuses people. No, it's it's the type of thing that cults are made out of. Absolutely. Yeah. So, what about okay. the preppers?
1: Now, the preppers are those who, again, conflate and confuse pre-tribulation, post-tribulation, mid-trib, pre-rath, mm-hmm. all those um, rapture theories that um, that lead them to believe that they're going to have to survive this time called the tribulation period. Mm-hmm. So. Here they are stockpiling ri- rice, ammo, beans, and all that kind of stuff to get ready for that particular time. Okay, go to Matthew chapter 24 and find me one place when Jesus gives instructions for what to do during the tribulation. Find me one place where he tells anybody to stockpile anything. To the contrary, mm-hmm. he says, take off, flee, don't take anything with you. Mm-hmm. So those who are prepping are going completely 180 from what Jesus said in Matthew yeah, chapter that's a good 24. Point. Yeah. um so it, it's going to be a time like any other time stock okay so here's johnny rambo okay got his bunker and his ammo and his rice and beans and he's gonna he's gonna survive he that endures to the end the same shall be saved confusing a passage of scripture mm-hmm. uh, and applying it to themselves it doesn't apply but here he is now in the middle of the tribulation period. His neighbor is starving to death, and his neighbor's going to come over and ask for food. What's he going to do? Shoot him? Well, that's not—yeah, that's not the instruction, is it? No. Right. That's really the Christian thing to do. I'm going to protect my rice and beans because i got to make
0: it through the seven years. Yeah, that reminds, that reminds me—did you ever see that Twilight Zone episode where they're con- convinced that there are aliens attacking, and they go— into the bunker that the this suburban family builds, they go down into the bunker and they hide in the bunker. And he won't let his neighbors in, but then they find out it was just it was just like a a test. There was just a sound test of like these. Oh, the emergency the broadcast. emergency thing, and it was it wasn't actually an attack. And then he has to live among these people in yeah. this neighborhood. That he refused to save their lives. Yes, it's a yes. great, great episode. Great episode. It has nothing to do with what we're talking about, actually. Right. But, but yeah, no, I mean, you mentioned this idea of Matthew twenty four, and what you're saying is that that explain to us why that doesn't apply, like specifically, why does why does that passage not apply to the Christian um, today? Yeah, Matthew 24
1: thing. is one of the favorite places for the prophecy teachers to go to look for signs of the rapture or imminent things and stuff that applies to the church. But Matthew 24 happens before the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. It is the instructions to the Jewish apostles. They're sitting with Jesus <clears throat> on the Mount of Olives, and he, and they say, see, this This is beautiful. And he says, there's going to be one stone left, not one stone left on the other, it's going to be thrown down. Well, tell us, when's going to be... You're coming. What are the signs of the end of the world? Now, mm-hmm. if this is very simple because I keep things simple. This is revelation made simple. Mm-hmm. The end is the end. Yeah, It's not the end of your life. It's not the end of the church age. It is the end of the world as we know it. And the end of the world is the return of Jesus Christ to this earth physically. Mm-hmm. So they're asking him what the signs are for that, which are Jewish, Signs are for the Jews. And he tells them throughout Matthew 24 and 25 what it's going to be like during the time we call tribulation period. And he walks through it in sequence and in order. There are no Christians present. There are Jewish apostles. The death, burial, and resurrection has not taken place yet. And he gives those instructions to them. Mm-hmm as instructions for the hundred and forty-four thousand and the Jewish remnant during the tribulation period. Nothing in Matthew 24 applies directly to the church. We can find inspiration, we can find practical things from right. it, but nothing directly applies to the church. And now we have prophecy teachers all over the place going to Matthew 24 to find things for the church. Mm-hmm. Here's another thing that people do with with revelation that that causes me angst and a lot of people also. also. This desire to know leads them to want to try to identify the Antichrist. Mm. So you've got several things that that play together like that, determining the date of the rapture, um, you know, pre or post and mid and all those other kind of things that happen with it. Um, and I want to go find out who this guy is called the Antichrist so that I can protect myself from the mark of the beast. Right. The preppers and that kind of stuff.
0: Yeah. So well, may, the, maybe briefly just before we go down that road, tell us who the, the figure of the Antichrist is.
1: Well, the Antichrist is the anti. He He's the counterfeit Christ mm-hmm. who orchestrates the peace plan to get the Arabs back together and then tries to take over the world. It's Satan incarnate for lack of a better term. Okay. Um, He's the main character of the book of Revelation outside of Jesus, who's the who's the star of every show. Right. But he's the main character of the book of Revelation. And um, people are trying to identify him to protect themselves against him so that they don't take the mark of the beast and so they can survive the tribulation period. Mm-hmm. Well, the protection that you have against the Antichrist is trusting Jesus as your personal savior who will take you out of here before any of that mess happens. Right. Okay? So it's a very simple thing that way. But the identity of the Antichrist just Floors me. People are trying to um, go around the Middle East and identify some. You've had all you, thousands and thousands yeah. of speculations. Billy Graham was supposed to be the Antichrist. Wow. Some people. Hmm. Um, you know, every president is supposed to be the Antichrist. Every world leader is supposed to be the Antichrist. You're going to find some guy in the Middle East running around. You're going to identify him as the middle, as the Antichrist. I
0: haven't heard as, anybody say that Joe Biden is the Antichrist. Not yet. Okay. <laughs>
1: um, but as if. You're going to identify him and walk up to him and stick out your hand and say, "Hi, you're the Antichrist, aren't you?" Yeah. And they go, "Oh uh, yeah, I yeah. am." Uh, don't let me. Don't let anybody know. Right. Uh, it's 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 nutty to go out and do those kind of things. The identity of the Antichrist is revealed to the nation of Israel halfway through the tribulation yeah. period. He is revealed to them. Oops the wrong Christ, that's what Mm Antichrist, the wrong one. Mm -hmm. They accept him as their Messiah, Christ means anointed or Messiah, so they will accept him as their Messiah at the beginning of the tribulation period and halfway through, the mask will be pulled off and it'd be like, oops, wrong guy. Mm -hmm. And so to identify the Antichrist takes you into the middle of the tribulation period and I don't need to do that because I'm out before it happens. Right, yeah.
0: And not to mention it, just all of that stuff distracts you from what we're actually supposed to be doing, yes. which is um, sharing the gospel sharing with the Sharing the gospel, yeah. so
1: identify the Antichrist, so I don't take the mark, so I can get my rice and beans. What does that have to do with the death or resurrection of Christ? Yeah,
0: yeah. It's, it's, Nothing. It's the wrong focus. Yeah. Okay, so as we, as we close, yeah. why should someone take the Daniel and Revelation class? Because it
1: gives us a template to work from. That's the main thing that I wanted to try to communicate with this. And again, you can find enough books on Daniel and Revelation and prophetic matters to fill your library, and a lot of good ones. Mm-hmm. Um, Uh, forever, but you've got to have a template to be able to work from and keep you from from those white lines. That's between those white lines. That's why God gave us what he gave us in the book of Revelation above any other book Mm -hmm. of the Bible that way at the very beginning of it. Say, look, here's how I've structured this book. Make sure you have this template in place. The first part deals with the church age up to to chapter 4. 4 to 19 deals with the tribulation period. 19 Twenty to twenty-two deals with the millennium and eternity future. In the middle, nineteen through uh, four through nineteen, you have four separate passes through the tribulation mm-hmm. period yeah. that give you a perspective to look at. And once you get that template down, then you have the ability to look at the details. The details of revelation are confounding and confusing and and very challenging because Mm -hmm. they're future events. And so I liken it to a couple of things. First is a jigsaw puzzle. You have one of those you put together and you you, you dump the the pieces out on the table. There's a 1,000 or 2,000 of them sitting there. You'll sort through them and find the border pieces and put that together, right? That's where you start. Mm -hmm. And once you have those border pieces, you know this for sure. All those other 1,000 pieces that are sitting there, I know one thing about them. They do fit inside. Yeah, front, right. Okay.
0: so <laughs> They don't belong in the backyard. They don't belong someplace Yeah, else. they belong somewhere in between Somehow, those lines. I don't know where they do.
1: Yeah. And sometimes that's very challenging in mm-hmm. a puzzle to put together. And the Bible is that way. You'll never put all of it together, especially the book of Revelation. But if you have the border, mm-hmm. you you at least know this. I know that those other pieces there can't fit outside that border and right. once you get that template down, the revelation made simple part of that book, then you can then you can be safe not to get outside those speculative things and end mm-hmm. up in the heresy that, right. that happens. Another yeah. illustration I use is that of a corn maze. So I don't know if you've ever been in one of those or not. Uh, I, I remember
0: being in one at one point yeah i'm a little bit scared of things like that yeah okay a, a little claustrophobic if you will so. all right
1: so we can get in those things we went to uh, wife and i went to france one one year years ago went through the, the lower valley and, and saw some of the castles and gardens mm-hmm. and stuff They and they've got a few of those kind of things mm. where you can get into where the things are growing up over the top yeah, of your yeah. head and you're in the middle of it you're walking through you don't know where you are yeah um and some of those things can get very intricate so you could get into a corn maze and be there for a long long time see i'm not interested okay. in that but that's what happens to people in the book of Revelation. They get inside the corn maze and they don't know where they are, and, they, and, and it becomes very difficult for them to find their way out, and mm-hmm. they end up in a mess theologically, which is a lot more damaging than being in the middle of a corn maze. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What the book, what the template does for us, what the book of Revelation and the class does for us is give us the drone mm. that then goes up above the corn maze, and you can look at the camera and go, Okay, well I'm over here mm-hmm. and I'm supposed to be over there and I can make my way through this thing. So you either have the border of the puzzle or you have the drone up over your yeah. head with the corn in the corn maze going well I am I'm lost in the details but at least I know yeah generally speaking yeah. where I'm at to keep myself within the structure God gave me in book of revelation
0: so that I don't get off into a heresy thing that's going to mess me up. Yeah, that's good. Well, thank you. And uh, next time we're together, we're going to have a conversation about the millennial reign specifically. And so I'm looking forward to to that as well. And we want to thank you for joining us for another episode of The Postscript. If what we've talked about today interests you at all and this fascinates you, this subject matter fascinates you, and you want to learn more, go to lfbi.org and you can learn more about the Daniel and Revelation class that comes through regularly, uh, semester after semester, through our cycle of classes. Uh, or you can check out the other courses that we offer in Living Faith Bible Institute and uh, and jump in there. In the meantime, if you're really chomping at the bit to get a hold of this content, uh, Greg Axe has produced a book called Revelation Made Simple, uh, published by Living Faith Books. It just recently came out, and it provides you with that framework that we were talking about today, that those boundaries that you need to make sure that you're headed the right direction in terms of God's word and, and what his plan is. And so this is available on Amazon and you can learn more about it at lffellowship.com. But we want to thank you for being with us on another episode of The Postscript and we'll see you next week. God bless.